Miracy. I'm Simon Bowen, and you're listening to Making It. I run a business called The Models Method. I'm the founder of The Models Method. I'm the creator of The Genius Model. And we work with extraordinary entrepreneurs to package their unique genius into powerful visual models that equip them to sell and convert without ego, pressure, or overwhelm. Western Australia is a fairly sparsely populated state, certainly country Western Australia. And in that environment, if you're traveling somewhere, the roads are often not clearly marked. And so people would draw mud maps, we call them, grab a piece of paper and draw a bit of a stick diagram of how you need to get to places. We, you know, so much communication was done with drawings on paper, you know, mapping out what something's going to look like if you get asked to do something. It was a fairly free environment, fairly free environment to experiment in and to think in. It was adventurous. We were able to go camping unencumbered. We would sort of say to our parents, well, we're going camping for two weeks and then just disappear into the bush and live off the land. And you had to be inventive and creative and self-reliant and all of those sorts of things. People started saying to me, you should teach people how to draw models to sell specifically. I had been using models for leadership, team, development, organizational change, strategic planning. I've got models for just about everything an organization does. But I constantly sold using models. I would carry a sketch pad with me and draw models to prospects in the meetings. And as soon as the prospect said, can I have a copy of that? I knew that I had made the sale. The moment they bought my model that I was drawing, they've bought me. And it's just a super powerful way to sell. And I often had other people in meetings with me who would say, you know, I'd love to learn how to draw like that to sell. Or you should teach people how to draw like that to sell. You should teach consultants how to use models in the way that you do. Whilst I just assumed that everybody used models, there was one particular person that just asked me to come and run a workshop for some other management consultants on using models. And so I did that as a favor and the room lit up. And then more particularly, some of those consultants went out and immediately started using models and started to increase their sales as a result. And then organizations So I started teaching the models as a sales tool first to some of my own clients and their sales lit up. And I started to recognize that this was not the way most people were communicating. And yet most of our communication is visual. And so I really doubled down on structuring some frameworks and particularly in terms of the delivery of my own consultancy services to clients. And then it took off from there. Just about everything in reality, certainly everything that a human has made or created, its first physical appearance in the real world is usually as a drawing on paper or these days a drawing on a computer or a tablet or something like that. So we tend to think through a picture first and then we turn that into the reality. So the computer that I'm working on was a drawing, a circuit diagram and a design and a sketch on paper as was the table, as was the house, as was the car. And so most of the human problems we tackle show up as something on paper first in the physical world, and then they become reality. And electronics was certainly like that. And I think it built that discipline of turn to a drawing first to think things through and understand them, and then make that reality. 
I think I realized that I'd made it <laughs> when people I'd never met in countries that I've never traveled to, in industries that I've never worked with, speaking a language that I don't speak, reached out to me and said, your models have changed my business and my life. And all they've done is picked up some of our marketing content and watched some of my webinars and seen other people that we've worked with using the models and they've shaped their own version of their models, a level one version admittedly, but even bad models work. Even badly designed models work better than just language by itself. And so that scenario has played out so many times now, but very early in the piece, you know, the first time somebody, you know, who I didn't know in a country I've never been to speaking a language I don't speak in an industry I've never worked with saying, your work has changed my life. That and one other moment where after I'd written my first book, somebody said, my wife and I take you to bed every night. Now, I don't know if that's a good thing. <laughs> that was weird. That was weird. And that was a moment where I thought, oh, interesting, you know. What we're doing is reaching people. In today's world with, you know, unicorn software companies, people only ever see the billion dollar sale. They don't see the 10 years beforehand getting there. You know, the one hit wonder that was 10 years in the making. So the outcome is visible, but the work never is. And so I think a lot of people that step into the entrepreneurial world, particularly early stage entrepreneurs, have an impatience for it to all happen immediately. And anything that's built without foundation must fall over. And so this urgency to get to success, whatever the definition of that is, with impatience to get there has, I think, caused a lot of businesses that are built without foundation and they're vulnerable to even the smallest reverberation in the marketplace. I think one of the big errors is this idea that it all happens overnight because nothing does. Anything that lasts has deep roots and foundation. And impatience means that usually doesn't get built. And we need to build the foundation as we build the growth. None of us ever make it on our own. And I think you can look back over the course of your life from any kind of age. And you'll probably find there's up to about a half a dozen people that have significantly impacted you through the course of your life and through the particular turns that you took or the particular principles that you bought into or the knowledge that you gained or the resilience that you gained and not a large number of people and it could have been you know I have one teacher that was my grade five teacher so in grade five you're about 11 years old in Australia and she particularly influenced me in terms of maths but was a wonderful teacher Mrs Gibson my father was a great influence on me I can't remember my father getting angry with me my whole life so you know, very kind and gentle man and was of enormous influence on me. My first employer, in my first week of employment, the first three days, I broke key pieces of equipment. And on the fourth day, I got a bit of hot metal in my eye and had to go to hospital to get it scraped out. And I had the fifth day off on workers' compensation. He really must have wondered who on earth he had employed. <laughs> but he was a really generous, caring employer and at my father's funeral, he came up behind me and he said, how are you going, son? And I said, oh, Kelvin, you know, I'm okay. And then we were chatting later on and I said, Kelvin, how come you had so many award-winning young people working for you? 
it's amazing the training you did. And he said, oh, Simon, I was never training employees. I was always raising young men. And that was what drove him. And he shaped my work ethic. One of the things that often amuses me when people talk about making it is actually the idea that I now know everything I need to know. You know, the comment that if you are well read, the more you know you don't know is so true. So whenever I hear people talking about, you know, I've made it, I'm really fascinated with guitar players. And Tommy Emmanuel is a great Australian guitar player, world-class, world-known. People like Mark Knopfler and others talk about him as being one of the great guitar players. And I saw an interview with him, and he is a virtuoso already, you know, right now. But the interviewer said, you know, how do you keep getting better? He said, I spend about six hours a day just playing with the guitar to try and discover something new about it. And here's a fellow that's been doing this for 40 years and he's one of the best in the world and he is the perpetual student. So I think the people that become real sages at what they do, and to me, making it is partly reaching a point where you could legitimately say you're a sage at what you do. You have this profound genius, this powerful calm and this capacity to make the complex simple. The real sages become perpetual students. They always live in this space of curiosity. So yeah, do we really ever make it? I'm Simon Bowen, and you've been listening to Making It. You can find me at modelsmethod.com. Making It is part of the Mirror CFM podcast network, which also includes such shows as Course Lab and Just Between Coaches. This episode of Making It was assembled by Jeff Govertson. Cynthia Lamb produced the episode. Danny Berman is our associate producer, Danny Innie is our executive producer. Post-production was by Post Office Sound. To catch the great episodes that are coming up on Making It, go ahead and follow us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you're listening right now. And if you liked the show, please leave us a starred review. It's the best way to help us get these ideas to more people. Thank you. We'll see you next time.